to Faith Talk with Anita. Thank you for joining me on the journey. May the Holy Spirit be with you. As I record this episode, the Church is preparing to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, one of the most remarkable events in Christian history. Christian scholars have filled volumes reflecting on and trying to explain and come to terms with this extraordinary mystery. And today, I will join them in that quest. The Feast of Pentecost brings our Easter season to an end and ushers us into ordinary time. Liturgically speaking, ordinary does not mean ho-hum and trivial. It simply means not extraordinary, as in the seasons of Advent, Christmas, Lent, and Easter. During ordinary time, we focus our attention on the ministry of Jesus, his teachings, miracles, and other interactions the Lord had with the people around him. All quite amazing, to be sure. We find the Pentecost event in chapter 2 of Acts of the Apostles, very early on in the life of the church. Christ has already risen and ascended to heaven, and the Christian community is settling into their new identity as the followers of the way. Let me read the scriptural account, and then I'll do my best to shed some light on this incredible event. We are told, When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded, and in amazement they asked, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how does each of us hear them in his native language? We are Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya near Cyrene, as well as travelers from Rome both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues 
of the mighty acts of God. Okay, so what happened here? The disciples were all together in a house, which tells us that they were already living as a close-knit community. I imagine, since they were all together, they were probably listening to the apostles speak about Jesus, or praying, or making plans for their future endeavors, or perhaps worrying about what would happen to them if they went out into the crowded streets and started preaching. All of a sudden, a very strange thing happened. They heard a loud noise that sounded like a strong wind. Perhaps we might think of a windstorm or even a hurricane. And they saw what appeared to be little flames of fire come to rest on each of them. That's the way they explained it. Strong wind and fire. Now, wind and fire are words that were commonly used in the Hebrew scriptures to describe God's presence. Think about wind and fire for just a moment. When you picture a strong driving wind and fire, what comes to your mind? Perhaps you feel concern, fear, anxiety, panic, or even excitement. Wind and fire are powerful, active energies, which affect everything in their midst. A good way to describe God, indeed. Now, that's the way they explained their experience. Did wind and fire actually suddenly appear in that house? Perhaps, but I think probably not. What I take away from this is that they had an extremely strange, unexpected experience that totally and completely took them by surprise, shocked and astonished them. I'm sure they were stunned by what was happening to them. I imagine they were either totally speechless, just staring at one another in silence, or completely panicked and wildly out of control. The only way they could describe that experience was wind and fire. You know when you have an experience that is totally strange and unexpected, and perhaps frightening and confusing and you try to explain it to someone who wasn't there. Words tend to fail you. All you can do is say, it seemed to be this, or it was like that. Those are the words they used. It was a noise like a strong driving wind, and it appeared to them 
tongues as a fire. It was like, and it appeared to be. I think this experience was so outside their realm of possibilities that they didn't know any other way to describe it. It was like wind and fire, powerful, life-changing energy. But even though they might have had a hard time describing it, they knew exactly what had just happened. They knew they were in the presence of God, and they had been changed. These scared and confused people were now bold and courageous missionaries. And the first thing they did, despite the danger that awaited them, was leave the safety of their house and march out into the streets of Jerusalem to begin preaching about Jesus. And with the Spirit's help, Peter gives a very passionate speech that you can read in Acts chapter 2. We are told that, quote, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 persons were added to the community that day. End quote. So with the help of the Spirit, they are already making an impact in the world. This was a turning point in the life of the church. From this point on, everything changed. These people were now filled with the Holy Spirit and fully prepared to begin their mission. As a matter of fact, the Catholic Church calls Pentecost the birthday of the church. Pentecost was an already established Jewish feast day. So there were Jews from all over the Mediterranean area in Jerusalem to celebrate. Luke went into some detail to list all the places these travelers had come from. Their diversity was obviously an important part of his story. Although all those people spoke different languages, they could each understand the message as if it were in their own language. This was clearly the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing understanding to all. Understanding is one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit that we receive at our confirmation. Many Christian churches connect the sacrament of confirmation with the Pentecost experience. At confirmation, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and prepared to fulfill the mission we have been called to. But confirmation is not the first time we are given the Holy Spirit. It also happens at our baptism. Just as the Feast of Pentecost was not the first time the disciples were given the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John, we read an account in which Christ appeared to them shortly after his resurrection. Here's what John tells us. Quote, 
Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. End quote. So what makes this Pentecost event different? That's hard to say. The first time, Jesus breathed on them. And this time, they experienced what seemed like a strong driving wind and fire. Something was most definitely different this time. Perhaps God's message was just louder and clearer this time. Strong wind and fire rather than a breath. Perhaps it wasn't the spirit that changed at all, but the disciples. Perhaps this time they were more open and receptive to the spirit. Could that be the reason we need the sacrament of confirmation, even though we have already been baptized in the Spirit? Perhaps many of us need more time and life experience to prepare ourselves to fully accept and receive the Spirit. Perhaps baptism is the breath and confirmation is the wind and fire. We can recall something similar happening when Jesus healed the blind man in chapter 8 of Mark's Gospel. We are told that Jesus put spittle on the man's eyes, but the man was still seeing things all blurry. So, Jesus laid hands on his eyes a second time, and this time, the man was able to see clearly and distinctly. Why did it take two tries? Perhaps this man needed more time to accept and fully receive Jesus' healing, just as the disciples and we need time and life experience to fully receive the Holy Spirit. It's a good thing for us that God is patient and persistent. Let me be clear about this. The Spirit has already been given. On God's part, it's a done deal. That will never change. Even before we celebrate the sacraments of baptism or confirmation, the Spirit has been offered to us. Those sacramental celebrations are simply our opportunity to officially accept and receive the gift and to publicly thank God for the gift. The important point is this. The Spirit has been given. The question is, Have I received it? And it's important to remember that on our part, accepting and receiving the Spirit is something we must consciously do, day by day and moment by moment. 
It's an ongoing conversion process. Now, another important detail we need to make note of is explained by Father Richard Rohr in his daily meditation of May 11, 2023. He writes this, quote, The account of Pentecost in Acts 2, 1-11, emphasizes that people from all over the world heard the Galileans speaking in the pilgrims' individual languages after the descent of heavenly fire and wind. The theological message is clear. God loves everyone. God's love and favor are both totally democratic and unmerited. This was meant to be the end of all exclusive and elitist religion. Sadly, it did not last long. End quote. Not only did the Holy Spirit come to rest on each one of the disciples in that room, men, women, children, rich, poor, slave, free, etc., but all the people in the streets of Jerusalem were included in this great spiritual blessing as well. God was not excluding anyone from receiving the Holy Spirit. On the contrary, God made sure that everyone was included. Father Rohr goes on to say that St. Paul was very clear on this message. According to Father Rohr, quote, Paul shouts into this corrupt and corrupting empire. One and the same spirit was given to us all to drink. He utterly levels the playing field, saying, You, all of you, are sons and daughters of God in Christ Jesus, where there is no distinction between male or female, Greek or Jew, slave or free. But all of you are one in Christ Jesus. End quote. The message is clear. God does not discriminate or play favorites. All people are loved by God and included in God's kingdom. God offers the Spirit to all people. Paul assured us that we are all temples of the Spirit. Let me leave you with the words of Father Rohr from his daily meditation of June 5th, 2022. Quote, Even though we so often pray, Come, Holy Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is already given. The Holy Spirit has already come. You all are the temples of the Holy Spirit, equally, objectively, and forever. The only difference is the degree that we know it, draw upon it, and consciously believe it. All the scriptural images of the Spirit are dynamic. Flowing water, 
descending dove, fire and wind. If there's never any movement, energy, excitement, deep love, service, forgiveness, or surrender, you can be pretty sure you don't have the spirit. If our whole lives are just going through the motions, if there's never any deep conviction, we don't have the spirit. We would do well to fan into flame the gift that we already have. God does not give God's spirit to those of us who are worthy, because none of us are worthy. God gives God's spirit in this awakened way to those who want it. On this Feast of Pentecost, quite simply, want it. Rely upon it. Know that you already have it. End quote. My friends, that's the good news. All we have to do is want it and take it in. Let us pray. Creator God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you have bestowed upon us. Help us to accept and receive that gift. Help us to recognize and feel the Spirit's presence within us. And help us to live boldly and courageously to bring about a positive difference in the world. Amen. I hope this has been helpful for you. I welcome all your comments and questions. Please share this Faith Talk with others and join me for my next Faith Talk. In the meantime, know that you are in my prayers. May God bless you.